are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. In this uh, uh, Second Timothy chapter 3, he said, I want you to know something about the last times or last days. He said, they're going to be mighty perilous. He said, uh, men are going to be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. You know, I had a hard time getting used to the fact that the closer you live to heaven, the more you're going to be misunderstood down here. And, and then the other thing, I thought, well, if you, if you really try to do good to everybody, especially those that can't do good for themselves, I mean, poor, destitute, lonely, ragged, rotten, rim cut. I mean, folks that are just in a terrible fix. Man, you just go out and pick them up and love them and put them on some clean clothes and feed them and clothe them and, and then just do good to them, you know, and rescue them and lift. I thought, well, the whole world ought to be glad. Uh-uh. Why, you know, have you ever heard anybody say, uh, well, I don't know why the world, I don't know why people don't treat me right. I, I don't understand why the world gives me such a hard time. Have you ever heard me say, and have you ever had been asked this question, uh, well, Brother Wolf, how's the world treating you? Well, in this one answer, that's bad, terrible. But I'm giving it a bad time, too. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's where the battle comes in, you see. You'd say, well, I don't understand why the world won't treat me any better. Well, let me give you a thought or two. Number one, the world won't even treat its own right. And then another thing, the world didn't treat Jesus right. And the world is mean and ungodly. Don't expect the devil in his crowd to treat you good. They don't know anything about that. So quit whining and just realize that you're at home when somebody's not treating you right, but there comes the demand for grace, for love, for compassion, and for patience. You'll never get the world to treat you right until you get the world converted. You've got to get them saved. Then watch how different it is. I tell you, I see it in our homes all the time. People that have threatened to kill me. An old boy came in my study not long ago, brought his wife with him. He said, Brother Wolf, we came to apologize. I said, about what? And he said, we've hated you. He said, fact is, we would have killed you. We used to run a beer joint in this town. And he said, we hated you. We'd turn you on, and the people in our beer joint would laugh and cuss you. And every time you get on the broadcast, we said, I want to come up and tell you that uh, I want you to forgive us, and we love you now. Amen. We had a real time. See, that's the difference. That's the difference. All right? He said they're going to be despisers of those that are good traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. That's plain, isn't it? When I was here a year ago, a year ago, I met a lady in business down here in town, and she said to me, and I think I told you about this, and I got the letter. She said, uh, 
She said, Brother Olaf said, I'm going to church and said, we're not getting the gospel preached to us. And she said, uh, my children are there and I'm there. And she said, do you have a suggestion? I said, yes, ma'am. I said, what would you do if your house was on fire? She said, I'd get out. I said, all right, you've got the point. Amen. I got a letter and she said, Brother Olaf, you may not remember it, but said, I got out and said, we're having a great time in the Bible church. That's right. Oh, don't hang around. Don't hang around where there's death. And notice what else he said. For of this sort are they which creep into houses, lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know what that is? That's Jesus. Just always, that sounds like college, doesn't it? I want to make a statement. If I had a daughter or a son, I'd a thousand times run them through one of these homes than to send them off to the average college. College is the biggest enemy that I know of to the cause of Christ today. That's where your infidels are hatched out. That's hell's incubator, hatching out in infidels, modernists. There are very few real Christian schools left. And though it's a little shocking, the average school is a glorified honky-tonk. And I can prove it. They dance. They play rock and roll. They smoke marijuana. They're on dope. They are filth in their talk. And uh, modernists and infidels poke fun at Jesus Christ and at the Word of God and the Genesis plan of creation. I said it's a honky-tonk, just about the same thing. The only difference is it's supported by tax money. And we pay the teachers to chaperone our children to hell. If that sounds blunt, it'll have to sound like that. I went to sleep last night quoting some scriptures. I want you to turn with me to Psalms chapter 2, will you? I'm going to show you. Nothing strange happening, nothing new under the sun. Why do the heathen rage? They're raging, aren't they? Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. You know who that is, don't you? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Saying, what do they say? Let us break their bands asunder. Cast their cords away from us. Now then, turn the book of Acts. The writer of the book of Acts also quoted this scripture. Chapter 4, verse 26. We read chapter, verse 25 also. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage? And the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against who? His Christ. That's the reason they said through the fourth chapter, the Lord willing, I'd like to preach on it. They said, where'd you get this power? By what power, by what name have you done? They won't know the name. What about that name? Brother, the secret of everything good and great is the name. All I have is in the name. And that name coupled with his word because he said his word above his name. Psalm 138. There's one name that's despised above every name, 
on the face of the earth, and that's the name of Jesus. And yet there's a bright side. There's a name that's loved and revered above every name on the face of the earth by those of us who know him, and that's Christ. Oh, the lovely name, the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus. I knew Dr. White. He sang a many a time until he was, I heard him 92 years of age when he sang that song. I never will forget the last time. Every day comes to me with new assurance, 92 years old. Every day comes to me with new assurance, more and more. I understand his words of love. I saw him stand on his toes. I mean, just right up on his toes. He was standing 92 years of age, so excited about it. His old white hair waving in the little breeze. Brother, he's excited. Me too. <laughs> I tell you, the devil sure can't get his children to sing like that when they get that old candy. Most of them don't even make it. But they sure don't have a song like that. But oh, that great old saint of God that sang his glorious song and many others. I've never been to Chattanooga and with Dr. Lee Robertson, and I go once or twice every year, have a standing invitation to come by any time that I cross over. And it's such a delightful, refreshing, and wonderful time. But I, when, when Dr. Weigel either sit right over here or right over there, I said, oh, I wish before I preach, I could hear Dr. Weigel sing. And he was getting pretty feeble. But I've never one time, by the time I pronounced his name, but what he was standing to his feet and coming down the aisle. Amen. He longed to sing and to serve. All right, let's go back to uh, Timothy. Timothy. He said there's going to be some terrible things happen. He said there are going to be men of corrupt minds. <clears throat> they're going to be reprobate concerning the faith. That's the faith now. Then talking about being a Baptist or a Catholic or Methodist or Presbyterian. He said reprobate concerning the faith. In other words, when Jesus comes, shall he find faith? That's saving faith. I mean, that's the kind that gets a man saved. And he said, now you've wholly known, you've fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, bursting, long-suffering, love, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came to me over at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, persecutions I endured, but here's a great statement. Out of them all he delivered me, every one of them. I tell you, there's one thing Paul convinced me of, and that is he expected a lot of hard times, but he expected deliverance from every one of them. Persecution is not so bad if you know you're going to get delivered. Hard times are not bad if you know you're going to get through them. Uh, the writer of the book of Isaiah said, um, when thou passest through the waters, I'll be with him through the rivers. They shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, Thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Isaiah said, I'm going on through. Oh, I tell you, don't whine. Don't whine about what you're going through. Just praise God you're getting through here. Amen. I mean, God, he, he's got through ticket for us. There's no doubt about that. The last year has been the most wonderful year I've ever known in my life. And yet a year ago now, I said, I predict that this will be the greatest year, but it'll be the stormiest year we've ever known, and that's been true. I felt the breath of old Satan on the back of my neck many a time. The opposition was uh, more bitter, more unkind, and uh, yet the blessings were more abundant than they've ever been before in all of our uh, 37 years of ministry. But he said, I want you to know that he delivered me out of every one of them. Yeah, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, and that's the only way you can do it to get in him. 
in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But he said, I want you to continue down the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child, that from a child. It's a great thing to see all these children, isn't it? You know, in these 12, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out how long I've been coming here, but it's been 12 or 13 years, I guess, and it's been every January, and I've watched the work grow. I remember some of the heartaches I came here, you remember. Funeral took place, and our heads were bowed in sorrow when a little boy, I believe it was, went out to meet the Lord. There's a cost, there's a price to pay if you're going to have any progress, you know that? And yet, I've just seen... Uh, I've just seen God's spirit and God's people. And there's one thing you can be assured of when you come here, the people are going to be here. I mean, it's unusual, and yet it ought to be like this. God's people ought to go to church. We need the strength that comes from the word of God. Well, he said, from a little child, from a child that's known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Oh, I wish I could get the mothers and daddies to see that the children know the scriptures. No child just learns the scriptures accidentally. That from a child, you have to teach them. That's where the train said, train up a child in the way you see. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And now then, we've come close to our text. I charge thee, therefore... I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant. In season. Out of season. Reprove. <clears throat> rebuke. Exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Verse 6, for I'm now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but to all them also that love his Appearing. I want to speak on a subject and text that I never have spoken on to all them that love his appearing. If you tell me what you love, I'll tell you what you live for. To them that love his appearing. Now, John said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is. Pure. Do you love his appearing? Would you love to see him appear this morning? I mean, are we longing and looking and loving his appearing? He said, not to me only, but to all them that love 
his appearing. Now, boys and girls, you tune in real good this morning because you may not have the privilege of getting grown down here. Of course, I realize this. If you'll live for the Lord, and if you'll surrender your life to him and to do his will, I'll promise you this, you'll be used in your generation. There's no unemployment in any of God's vineyards. And even though our college campus is the place of suicide, no prediction and immorality, unhappiness and death, I still believe that a person can be saved and get in the will of God and enjoy every day of his heavenly trip. I hope the Lord will lead me to preach on a Christian home one night this week. Amen. It's the scarcest thing in America. You'd say, Brother Ola, what do you think a home would be like if you really had a Christian home? I don't have to think. I know what it'd be like. It'd be like Jesus. It'd be sort of like heaven. If you have a Christian home, that means Christ reigns there. He lives there. I mean, he makes the decisions there. He fixes the husband and wife and all the children and provides all their needs and gives them a song and teaches them and leads them and guides them, fits them for heaven, makes them useful and fruitful. I mean, a Christian home would be about the sweetest thing you ever heard of. Very scarce. Of course, a Christian home would sure paralyze the divorce wheels down at the courthouse. A Christian home would stop all the juvenile delinquency and there'd be no need for a place for unwed mothers if we had real Christian homes. Little girl came in the other day, precious girl, doesn't know much, but she said, what is an unwed mother? Honey, that's you. That's you. Say what you please, dear friend. We're to love his appearing. We're to love his appearing. There's only one thing we're to look forward to. And that's his glorious appearing. And it can be, surely, any moment Jesus could come. I want to ask you this. Why should we love his appearing? Now, if president came and he made a personal appearance in Jacksonville, I'll guarantee you there'd be a heap of people at least to make out like they love his appearing because they'd sure see him appear. If he landed out here at the airport or down here at your base, in his private plane, the president's plane, I'll guarantee you, just many thousands and thousands of people would be there for his appearing. And there's not anybody in Jacksonville. I say scarcely there's nobody in Jacksonville, but what if they were to, uh, invited to appear for the appearing of the president, but what they'd lay off work, they'd leave their family, they'd go and see the president. Our president's going to appear. And I have no ugly remark to make about our president or the appearing of the highest officer in the land. I have no criticism. I'm just simply saying, but dear friends, what about the appearing of Jesus? Would you like to be present for that appearance? Do you love his appearing? If God sends you a special telegram today and it dropped down your lap and said, Are you, would you like for him to come today? Would you rather wait a little while? What would you tell him? Or do you love his appearing? If you love his appearing, you'd say, send him on. I mean, even so, come now, Lord Jesus. And all those who love his appearing. Now then, let's take a look. Let's see who's doing the talking. <clears throat> his name is Paul. He's just enumerated and uh, some of the things through which he's gone. He gave us a picture of what's going to happen from here out to the end of the trail because he said, in the last days, perilous times shall come. We're there now. 
He tells us exactly how the children are going to act, how the parents are going to act. He tells us about the political treachery, the traitors, the hated, the high-minded. He tells about religion with its form without fire. He tells us that uh, uh, the uh, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, and they'll be deceiving and also being deceived. And then he goes into the matter of training a child getting the child to know the scriptures from the time it's a little child. Then he comes into his closing and final remark uh, because he said to Timothy, I charge thee therefore. And I think in the light of all these things that are transpiring and coming upon us, he said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. You know, let me ask you a question. Do you have trouble keeping charge? Do you? Do you have, do you have any trouble? Uh, somebody came to me. Where was it? Was it last night? Yes, it was last night. A man came and said, you know, I, I make resolves and I can't carry them out. He said, I say I want to do it and I can't do it. He said, I make up my mind and directly it's unmade. He said, I just, you know what I said to him? I said, just get in the book. You know, I have an airplane that I fly. And the other day, I looked over and my, the battery was discharging and I knew that meant trouble. I had a long ways to go. I was flying from Atlanta to Corpus, 850 or 900 air miles. And I had, on, on, on that battery, that battery determines a lot of things in flying. I mean, it's serious business. That battery furnishes me my electric flaps. It furnishes me my three radios. It furnishes me my navigation. It furnishes me the radio, the transmission. I can talk to nobody. If I get up above the clouds uh, and, and, and I have no way of navigating, I have no way of talking to anybody. And uh, so I, I was flying along and I saw that it was discharging. And I knew that with all the things, I had a rotating beacon. You can't use that. And uh, so I, I just reached over and cut off the master. And I cut off everything. And only... Uh, when I had to use the radio, I'd navigate for just a moment. I've traveled that, I guess, a thousand times, seemed like, and uh, two or three times nearly a month. But uh, I, I just turned it on to see exactly what my relationship was to an omnistation or a city, and if I was over the Gulf or if I was heading for Corpus. And so, uh, but the final time came when I called up on the radio, approached control in Corpus Christi, uh, 120.9, and I said, this is 91023, and I'm approaching the Omni Station, but my battery's about gone. And I wanted to praise him with the fact that uh, I may come in uh, with dead radios, and I wanted to land, because I didn't tell him so, but I was on minimum fuel. And I, I'm a man of faith, but I tell you, that airplane just doesn't understand all that. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, they were both on empty. I mean, ease, just looking at me. And that doesn't mean excellent either. But uh, there we were flying along, and, and sure enough, it just went on out. And I came up, and I called uh, the tower, 1194, and I said, this is uh, uh, 023, and I'm going to need to land uh, pretty quick. I still didn't tell them I was running low on gasoline, but... I said, I'd like to come straight in, and I didn't get an answer. I knew the radios were gone. I knew they were gone. Now, I came on in, and it was a clear day, beautiful day, and I could see uh, all around, and I, uh, when I got over the bay a little bit, I began to rock my wings. And uh, 
That usually tells them something. You know, fly over a tower, rocky rings real good, and they'll begin to talk at you whether you can get them or not or whether you can talk to them or not. And it tells them a lot of things. And directly, when I came on and started, and I, I was coming straight in. I mean, all I was doing is just watching and seeing if anybody else wanted to land. And sure enough, nobody was coming. And I came in on one three and made the left base and came down the runway. And I saw a little green light like that. And so I, I said, that's good. Thank you. And that means, come on in. They gave me a, but you know what? I didn't keep my battery charged. That's what got me in trouble. <coughs> Brother, when your battery runs down, you lose your transmission. And you know what's wrong? It wasn't a battery. I went in. I said to Mr. God, I said, drop me a new battery in it. And he did. And that thing's kind of costly. And he took the battery out, which had a two-year guarantee. I had it 10 months ago. I had the plane 10 months. And uh, took the battery out. And my mechanic, I said, Mike, check it. And he called me and said, Brother Wolf, it's all fixed. He said, nothing wrong with the battery. It's just a little wire. It's a little wire that worked loose. He said, I got it fixed. He's charging again. Now, here's what I'm going to say. You can't keep your battery charged unless you keep your generator working. We have an alternator, see? And uh, you've, got to, you've got to get, now the battery was fine, but you see the generator. There's a lot of people trying to keep their battery charged without their generator working. Jesus, he's our generator. Now, there's a lot of people that were generated but haven't been regenerated. I got generated on June the 28th, 1914. But praise God, in a little old country church where an old-fashioned country preacher was preaching the gospel, I got regenerated. And I'm thankful that if I stay connected with him by faith and the communion's unbroken, the battery will continue to work. My lights will shine. I didn't have a light burning, not a light burning. If it had been midnight, I wouldn't have had one thing to see that panel with. That's the reason I keep two or three flashlights in there all the time. In case the electrical system fails at night, you couldn't tell whether you're 10,000 feet or 200 feet off of the ground. And you don't have anything working in the way of the lighting system. Dear friends, I believe that your spiritual battery is an important piece of equipment. Paul said, where the love is appearing. Now this old man has come to the end of the trail, and uh, he's saying where the love is appearing. I'm fixing to go with him now. He's coming for me. He said, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. Henceforth has laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall do what? Give me. If ever there was a man on the face of this earth that would earn the reward and would have worked for it and got it, it would have been Paul, but he said, it's just going to be a gift. That's grace, isn't it? Just going to be. Every reward I'm going to get will be just by grace. Everything I've ever had or ever will have in this world will have to come as a gift. I want to ask a question and come to the close of the message. Why should we love his appearing? Why should we love the appearing? Number one, in the first place, we'll get to meet the origin of our love. I mean, that he said we're to love his appearing. We wouldn't have anything to love his appearing with if we hadn't shared and shed abroad the love of God in our hearts, which is given to us by the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus was the very epitome of love. And I never did love anybody or anything until Jesus came into my heart. And so... I'll get to meet the one that taught me to love. I'll meet the lover of all the ages. And then second, 
All the love is appearing because he's coming for me. That's the purpose of his coming. Jesus is not coming down just circle around like an astronaut, look the situation over. He's coming to get us. He's coming to receive us. He's coming for us. And then all the love is appearing because the one that's a coming and the one that's appearing is the one that's been gone 2,000 years preparing a place for me. I ought to long to see the real estate man that fixed up my eternal mansion. Yes. Oh, you'd say, Brother Wolf, you believe in heaven? Of course I believe in heaven. You know, and it's sad. We don't have the songs on heaven. You remember you used to sing, in the cotton patch, I used to hear them sing, swing low, sweet child, coming for to carry me home. Their songs were about heaven. They might have lived in shacks with the tracks and servants' quarters. I can hear some old saint of God shout out across the cotton patch, Oh, man, don't you weep, don't you moan. God, little angel, are going to carry you home. Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, man, don't you weep. And here's some old colored man over there across the road singing, I got shoes, you got shoes, all of God's children got shoes. When you get to heaven, going to put on with you, going to walk all over God's heaven. It's all about heaven. Them golden slippers, you remember that? Singing, that's the song they sang. That's the songs. Why, sure, I believe in heaven. I got more over there than I have down here. That's where my investment is. That's where my big bank is. That's where my deposits are. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Why should we love his appearing? Because the Bible says when he comes, now this is great here. This is about the greatest thought I could ever have. We're going to be like him. I've never been like him. I've never been like him. I'd be the first to confess it. It's always a thrill for somebody to say, you remind me of Jesus, but that's all too scarce. Those remarks are all too few. Oh, wouldn't you like to be accused of being like Jesus? But the Bible says, beloved, now are we the sons of God? Doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Brother, when I see him as he is, you know, I've been singing a little song, Psalm 48. You want to turn your Bible to it? Psalm 48. We sing this, the girls sing it. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. You know, to me, there's no singing like the singing of those songs in the word of God. A lot of times I'll start singing a chapter. I don't know what tune to put to it, but the Word of God, the Word of God. One of the things that's done a lot for our little old girls that come in on LSD and dope and expecting and all is the singing of the Scriptures. Oh, from glory to glory, He's changing me. 
He's changing me, yes, he's changing me. From the earthly things to the heavenly, he's changing me according to the scripture, dear friends. The Lord wants to change us, and he said we're to love his appearing. And then, last of all, in our close, the Bible says we're going to see him as he is. Therefore, we ought to long to have him appear. You've never seen Jesus as he is. Now, I know there have been a lot of people draw his pictures, and they've been painting him, and they've been having standing at the door, and they paint his face, and they... Some of them have different opinions, but let me tell you something. You've never seen Jesus as he is until he comes. There may be a heap of folks uh, sort of change their picture, but I mean, when you see, when he comes, you'll see him as he is. Won't see him as he was. You're going to see him as he is. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you love his appearing? Would you love for him to come today? I enjoy seeing people come. Oh, as a little child, we lived on the farm and just seemed like we never could have enough company. Oh, how we love to see people coming. My, I can look up across our old south field and I can see my Uncle Ruby coming, loaded with my country cousins. And then I look up and I see Uncle Henry and Aunt Dolor coming. And Uncle Ida and Aunt Nola. No, oh, here they come. And you talk about a time. I could hardly wait till that old wagon or Surrey pulled up in the yard and all those kids started jumping out and brother, you talk about a time we had, I mean, companies coming. My mother used to call us in middle of the afternoon. Lester, Melvin, Edel, come on in. Here we'd come. Boy, we'd report. I mean, we didn't say, well, I'm watching something. I can't come now. Brother, we just all three appeared at the same time. I mean, she expected our appearing. And she said, you boys, get off those dirty clothes and go in there now in uh, the little ante room and uh, the old number three tubs ready. And we looked in consternation and uh, said, Mama, what? I mean, what's the purpose? I mean, it's not even sundown, certainly not Saturday. You know what she said? She said, boys, now don't ask any questions. We've got company coming. We've got company coming. Oh, listen. Some of your kinfolks are coming that haven't seen you since you were a little bitty children. Companies are coming. And I want you to know, we got in that old number three tub, and my mother had our clothes laid out, and they were all hand-pressed, and mother loved. We put on those little old Ponzi shirts and those little old trousers that she had laid out. And she polished us and waxed us and shined us, combed my cotton head, and said, Now, boys, sit right there. Don't get outside that door. They'll be here any minute. They're coming. There's company coming. I want you to look your best when they come. See, the only thing my mother, she didn't have better sense to Think that only she, only think she had three boys. I mean, the farm, the house, or nothing. I mean, it didn't amount to anything compared to her boys. She thought her boys was her main investment. I think it'd be pretty good if we could get that kind of notion now about our little children. Don't, my mother just had the feeling that the only thing immortal around the roll-off home was her boys. Company was coming. You love his appearing? 
Are you ready for security this morning? And all them that love his appearance. Paul said, I'm leaving, fellas. I'm ready now. My departure is at hand. And he went on to be with the Lord. But he said, I'm not the only one that's going to get a crown, but everyone that loves his appearing is going to receive a crown, if you love his appearing. Did you know that your receiving a crown will depend on your love of the coming of our Lord? Say what you please. There's something wrong with anybody that doesn't love the blessed appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I get letters all the time, and they'd say, Brother Olaf, our preacher preaches a lot of good things, but he never mentions the coming of our Lord. Oh, I'd hate to have to attend a church where nobody told me about the blessed hope, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Woke up this morning with a song that I haven't thought of in a long time. Walking along the road one day, I heard the master so sweetly say, A home up in heaven I'm building thee, And it's a beautiful, beautiful home, Home, sweet home, Home, sweet home, Where we'll never I see the light in that city so bright of my home, sweet home. This one last thing. Many years ago, God called me to preach. I had no money. I went to West Texas to pick cotton. I picked cotton for two months. Never forget, as if it were yesterday, it's plain to my memory now. As I sang that, when I saw, I see the light. I thought I'd never come home. The longest two months, the longest two months of my life. Fifty cents a hundred, two hundred pounds, four hundred pounds a day, two dollars a day. I'd make picking cotton every day, but oh, I missed home. I used to think about when I was a little child running away from home. I never did. I just never did quite uh, rake up enough courage to run off from home. But um, I, I got homesick. Oh, I tell you, I was so miserable, and I was homesick. Finally, a man came along one day and said, Lester. I'm going to Dawson, about three or 400 miles. You want to go? I said, I really do. I'm ready. And I didn't sleep that night. And the morning got up, I guess, three or four o'clock we left. And we finally got to Dawson, Texas. But that's not home. Five miles in the country was where my home was. He said, I just better run you on out there. So sure enough, I tell you, it's dark. I was sitting on the edge of that seat. And we went down that little dark dirt road. And I looked down in the kitchen. And I saw the light in the kitchen. My mother was over the dishpan, washing dishes. I saw the light in that window. I tell you, that'd have been a real disappointment to me if my mother had been off somewhere that night, but I saw the light in the window, and my mother was there. Oh, what a wonderful time. That's nothing compared to the day when we see the lights of our eternal home. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.